From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Governor Mike Dunleavy, during a briefing update Sunday, provided updates on flooding damage in several western Alaska coastal communities. So as of today, at this moment, we don't have reports of anyone that was um, uh, that lost their life during this, uh, this event, severely injured during this event, and we don't have reports of anyone still missing as a result of this event. So at this stage of the game, this is a... Uh, property issue. This is a recovery issue. Uh, certainly fuel, food, water, electricity, um, erosion, and roads are things we're going to be looking at working on very quickly. Emergency Management Director in Alaska, Brian Fisher, said what long-term repair will look like for rebuilding homes. Next steps from that, kind of the longer-term uh, look at repairs for uh, individuals' homes, um, once we identify needs for things, uh, for example, plywood and, and uh, roofing material and insulation and replace those, the stuff that was damaged from floodwaters, as soon as we get those accurate counts and needs, we'll be able to send those materials west uh, to have folks be able to button up their homes that have been damaged by the floodwaters and winds pretty early on. So that'll be our first uh, go about um, uh, those assessments on the ground and getting the food, water, and, and preliminary building materials moving this week out there to start begin repairs. Fisher went into detail on the status of the storm. The current reports from the National Weather Service show that this storm is going to linger off the uh, kind of north of Point Hope in the Chukchi Sea. So the storm is going to be around for a little while. The good news is that the, both the wind and wave heights that have occurred uh, that we saw uh, further south in the Bering Strait and the Bering Sea, not as significant. However, the water is going to re remain high, particularly above the normal high tide line, uh, for as long as uh, a day or two into Tuesday in some communities in uh, eastern Norton Sound and, and up uh, at Kotzebue Sound and a little bit north of that. Um, I think good news is that we have uh, been in con contact with the National Weather Service, the typhoon that was impacting Japan tomorrow. It doesn't sound like it's going to uh, impact Alaska at all. It looks like that typhoon is going to break up down near Japan. So that's good news for us. We don't have a second uh, significant storm that's heading our way. Fisher said the funding is currently coming from the state under the governor's disaster declaration, and they are waiting for financial assistance, FEMA approval from a federal standpoint. Officials said the storm caused widespread flooding and damage along 1,000 miles of Alaska coastline. The massive storm also has influenced weather systems as far away as California, where a rare late summer storm was dropping rain on the northern part of the state. The city and borough of Juneau has partnered with the Alaska Department of Transportation to study a possible transportation corridor to connect Juneau with the north end of Douglas Island. On Saturday, DOT held information tables at Discover Eagle Crest and Safeway to answer questions. Marie Heiderman... The Juneau-Douglas-North Crossings project manager spoke to News of the North about the current Pell study. Right now we are doing a planning and environmental linkages study. We call it a Pell study for short. And it is a pre-project study, so we don't have funding for design and construction of a project. We are simply exploring what a project could look like. So that if we did start a project, we would have already had an opportunity to talk to the public and consider some different ideas and screen out some alternatives. The study consists of... Species, fish, bird, wetlands. The process also includes like social impacts, and so it, it's really pretty inclusive. Heiderman discussed where the study area is. 
It really goes from the existing bridge all the way north to Spoon Island. And then that's the end of our study area. And so we're considering anything within that area. Eiderman said how the public can leave comments and ask questions. Comment opportunity on the website at the listening sessions today. We've got comment papers that have a picture of the study area and people can write on the maps and provide their written comment. Call, talk to us, email us. We'll have another open house probably in December, um, maybe November, and that will be another opportunity to hear where we're at with the study. Final recommendations are hoped to be completed by this spring. The website is jdnorthcrossing.com. Two entities in Juneau have requested land at Pedersen Hill. Pedersen Hill is located nearby Swampy Acres, across the street from Sherwood Lane. There was a previous plan to provide affordable housing. City Manager Rory Watt was asked on Action Line what happened. Well, the concept uh, several years ago was to subdivide some city land and make uh, small lots that would result in affordable single-family homes. Uh, we got the first part of that right. We subdivided and uh, we built a road, uh, but all the builders uh, built bigger houses, uh, and I would say not in the affordable range. Um, you know, we lack all kinds of housing products, and, um, you know, that's what the builders wanted to build, and that's what uh, the public wanted to buy. Um, so uh, good for the community, uh, but didn't turn out the way we'd originally planned. We'd hoped for smaller, more affordable homes. There are now two requests sent to the city, one from Clinton and Haida Regional Housing and another from Moline Investment Management. So uh, we, have, we have two requests and the assembly uh, authorized staff to begin negotiations on selling city land. They each have proposed uh, to purchase about 10 acres. Uh, the uh, Clinton Haida Regional Housing Authority uh, is looking to pursue a uh, more conventional subdivision um, uh, you know, smaller lots, affordable homes, um, maybe putting some of those properties in a land trust that will guarantee affordability for a long time. Uh, so we're going to, you know, we're just kind of kicking that off. Uh, the other uh, private developer uh, named Charlie Moline, his uh, company is Moline Investment Management. Uh, he uh, grew up in Juneau and uh, runs a property uh, development management business in Missouri. Uh, and comes back regularly, and he requested to purchase around 10 acres as well and is interested in pursuing uh, state low-income housing tax credits uh, to uh, finance construction of uh, affordable multifamily uh, development. Uh, so he's made several uh, steps in that progress. So both of those projects could result in quite a bit of housing. Juno City Manager Rory Watt. Dave Scanlon, Eagle Crest General Manager, talked about the annual Discover Eagle Crest Day that took place Saturday afternoon. This is an opportunity for us to bring people up to the mountain, talk to them about the season ahead. We sign up a ton of families for the seasonal lesson programs, answer questions, print season passes. We've got the porcupine chairlift running for sightseeing. The kids ride up the chair and hike back down. We've got the Juno Mountain Bike Alliance here having a, a little race event and a lot of our other vendors from around town. We've got trail mix here. We've got our grill running. It's just kind of a great kickoff to the season. And Scanlon said what this season is looking like weather-wise. The climate forecasts are really good. We're talking about another La Nina winter. So the forecasts are calling for cooler temperatures, lots of snow again. So that always bodes really well for us. 
And then we also have some new uh, snowmaking equipment that we're bringing online this season. Scanlon talked about how to get season passes and that the annual ski swap is starting up again. We just finished our tier one on our season's pass sale. So we're just going into our tier two. So the price has gone up a little bit. Um, we're going to be running that tier two until early November. We've got the uh, big ski swap happening this year down at Centennial Hall. The ski swap is back on. So that's going to be the last weekend of our tier two season's pass sale. So we're going to be there in the Egan room during the ski swap. So we can um, sell season's passes, print people new season's pass cards, and take care of everybody's needs there at the ski swap. Scallon said their new gondola has just arrived after a long journey from Austria. So it has just arrived. Over the next week, we're going to be getting the whole gondola system offloaded. We'll be storing it down in our lower Nordic parking lot for this summer. And currently, we're working on all the design and engineering. So we're up on the mountain doing a lot of surveying. Um, doing soils engineering and getting ready for construction season next summer. It is projected that Alaska's population will increase by 24,800 people from 2021 to 2050, according to an article in the September Alaska Economic Trends. Alaska Department of Labor demographer David Howell penned the article and spoke to it while on Action Line. This is much less gross than we've seen in the past. Uh, the previous 29 years in Alaska, we saw about 147,000 people added. So much less projected growth than in the past. And this is kind of related to a combination of factors. Uh, you know, the last decade, we started seeing negative net migration. And that just kind of has had a big impact on the long-term rates because we've had about 10 years of negative net migration um, steadily that's just really brought down that net migration rate. Southeast population in 2021 was 72,494. It is projected by, that by 2050, the region will have lost 9,395 residents, a 13% decrease. Juneau, specifically, of its 2021 population of 32,155, will go down to 28,692, a near-projected 11% decrease or a loss of 3,463 people. He was asked about the projections for Southeast. He said Skagway is projected to grow more in percentage terms than any other area in the state. It is projected to lose the most population of any region, and this is tied to multiple factors, but in general, Southeast is, has an older population, and so there's less births occurring, uh, more people at these higher mortality age groups, and then they also have lower fertility rates than the, most of the state. Southeast in general has a total fertility rate of about 1.5 versus the state as a whole, but around 1.9, so quite a bit less births. But then also they tend to lose population to net migration. Now, the one standout in Southeast is Skagway, who really just totally breaks this trend completely. Uh, Skagway is actually projected to grow the fastest of any borough census area in percentage terms. Matsu is by far the fastest numeric growing, but Skagway in percentage terms is projected to be the fastest growing. And this is largely due to uh, influx of net migration over the last decade. Meanwhile, the Internal Revenue Service recently released 2019 to 2020 migration data between states, and for Alaska, it shows the state has the highest yearly population turnover of any state. That was in an article penned by demographer Eric Sandberg. He was on Action Line to discuss the findings.
The IRS recently released their uh, migration data for the 2019 through 2020. So it's a bit out of date, but it takes them a little while, a little while to compile. But basically, it, they look at the people's change of address on their tax returns between what the taxes they filled out in 2019 and 2020. And basically, for Alaska, it says that Alaska still has the highest gross migration rate of any state in the nation. That means the total people moving in plus the total people moving out divided by population. So it's a measure of the amount of churn in the population through migration. And at 11%, we're still the highest in the nation. Department of Labor demographers Eric Sandberg and David Howell. Jacqueline Bacani from Clinton and Haida talked about a first-time candlelight vigil and walk that was held at Marine Park Saturday night. So the vigil tonight was just to honor and give recognition to those for the community if they knew someone they have lost, family, loved ones, or friends, loved ones, to the battle of substance abuse, drugs, alcohol. And just be here tonight and come together as a community, say their names, share their stories. Each candle that's lit tonight is a symbol for them. Makani said the vigil had personal significance to her. What this event means to me and how I feel so honored to have this event start, uh, started was how personal it is to me as well. My grandpa, he died from an overdose on heroin. If I'm going to be part of community, passion that I have behind my community, I want to help give that awareness. She said the candles will stay displayed throughout the month. Search Front Street Clinic opened their window so the community can place candles, these candles lit, any photos, posters of their loved ones, and it will remain there for the remainder of the month in, in recognition of September Recovery Month. And spoke to how people can ask for help. Those who are suffering, you're not alone. So Clinton Haida, I'm part of the Reentry and Recovery Department, and we partnered with Search. You can go on our website. Clinton Haida's CBS Behavioral Health. There they can put in a referral. They want to enter our reentry and recovery department. Federal officials are cautiously declaring the rollout of the nationwide suicide prevention hotline a success. ABC's Jim Ryan says the three-digit phone number, 988, replaced the 10-digit number in mid-July. By mid-August, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services had seen a 45% increase in the overall volume of calls, texts, and chats received at the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. The average time to answer any kind of message has been cut from two and a half minutes to 42 seconds. HHS estimates that 150,000 lives may have been saved by the shortened phone number and reduced response time. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.